Well, good morning, everybody. The Lord is good, and it's good to worship Him and thank Him for His grace, isn't it? Well, we're so glad you're here, and I have the privilege this morning of introducing a good friend of mine, Pete Ramirez. And I've known Pete for about 15 years now. Uh, Pete has served as a pastor in a number of parts of our state, and uh, just recently, in the last uh, couple of years, has gone to uh, serve with our state convention. Uh, he is now the team leader for the Evangelism and Missions Initiative team uh, in Fresno at the California Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I've invited Pete to come and share with us God's word, and I just want to welcome him today and uh, thank him for coming and being with us today. And why don't you just give him a great Southwinds welcome? Good morning. I've been running, a, I've had allergies or a cold, I'm not sure what it was, and all week long, and in the first service, I was trying to keep myself contained. I don't have to do that this service. I guess I can go till one o'clock today. You might leave at, you know, before that, but I won't do that to you. Um, it, it's, it's good to be here with you. Um, I've known of this church for a long time. I've been here in the old you know, little tent you guys used to have over there, and we've been here for conferences in the past, and it, it's just good to see you guys in this new place, and, and to hear of the stuff that's happening in this church, it's just, it's a blessing, it's a blessing for you to have uh, the, the staff of pastors and leaders in your church, uh, I hope that you just love on them and appreciate them, and just know you're so blessed, you are a blessed church. Uh, because the Lord is with you, and, and he's given you good leadership, and, and it's just really, really cool for me to watch from a distance uh, a church that I've heard of for, for many, many years. Uh, we work with over 2,000 churches in California as part of our Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we don't get to visit all of them. We get to preach in some of them. Uh, we, we work together collecting missions money and preparing people to do work in different places and in different ways. My team that's here in California, uh, we have different ministries that we help. We help with student ministries. That's like junior high and high school and college. And then we also have like a women's ministry area that we, that we work with for, for missions. And then we have uh, disaster relief. Any of you have been trained with disaster relief before, right? Uh, you see that big hand over there? That's my brother right there. We serve together. Uh, in, in Paradise, what were, the, were you there like, three days with me or something like that? Uh, and, and we worked up there in Paradise after the fires. Um, you know, um, it's just, uh, it's cool the things that we get to do. Uh, we go to different churches, but all together as part of the kingdom of God, we can go and help people in the midst of tra tragedy. Uh, we go help in, during, during hurricanes. We go help during earthquakes. We, uh, we had people uh, at Ground Zero at 9-11 in New York, I mean, just, you got to be ready to go, and then you go over there, and you bring hope, and, and, and you just bless people, and so that's what we get to do, that's part of the team that I, I direct, is the disaster relief team, we also have migrant ministry, uh, and with migrant ministries, uh, we, we hit about 27 centers around, uh, around our state, and we have about 125 churches that help every year, and they go out to these centers and do vacation Bible school and share the gospel and give out clothes and backpacks. And this year we did something new. We called it Beans and Rice for Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, we asked our churches to help collect beans and rice 
And if they wanted to, they could even go out and deliver the beans and rice to the migrant families that are moving into these centers. And, and we would give them food as they were coming in and give them food as they were going out. And of course, every time we give the food, it's with the gospel. And we see over 1,500 people get saved every year at these centers. So it's a really cool thing. 125 churches, over 1,500 people get saved. And it, it's just a great thing that we do together as churches. Not just one, but just over, you know, just hundreds of churches in California. And uh, the other thing I get to do out of my team is uh, my goal is to see as many of our churches working outside of their church to reach people for Christ. Uh, I want to see, um, you know, I want to see the 35 million people that are lost in California. I want to see that number, you know, have a big dent in it. And it's not going to happen by me preaching. I'm not that good. Uh, I know that. My wife lets me know. Um, by the way, my wife's over here, Annabella. She's wonderful. She's put up with me for 26 years. But, uh, but, but I know that it's going to happen by us sharing the gospel with others. And so our goal, again, is to see as many churches as we can. By the missions money that your church gives through the cooperative program and special offerings that you guys do, um, we were able to help uh, churches do outreaches. We didn't always pay for the whole outreach, but we came alongside the church with over 300 outreaches in the last year. And we had some food pantries that out of the money you give here in California, people are getting baptized, people are getting saved. And um, we gave over $600,000 of that, of that money back to the church. As a matter of fact, you guys received some money because I called your pastor last year and said, hey, uh, are you guys doing anything for, for Harvest Festival or something like that? He said, we are. I said, well, uh, I have some money. Would it help you, if, you know, to do your event? He says, you know, we're just building this new building, and it would really help if we had some money. I said, I can do that. So we did. We sent the check over, and he's already asked me for money this year again, and I think that's why <laughs> he invited me to come. Um, anyway, that's what we get to do. And we get the records back of how many people are getting saved, and we're seeing thousands of people getting saved. Um, we, we led uh, in 2018 as a state, all our 2,000 churches together, we led the nation in the number of increase of baptisms. Okay, we had, that's a pretty cool number, yeah. We had uh, over 12,000 people get baptized in our Baptist churches in California. That's greater increase than any other state. And we're challenging our churches. Here's the challenge. Is that next year in 2020, that we take that number up to 15,000. If we take that number up to 15,000, we will have more people baptized in the state of California in our Baptist churches than in the whole nation. And we believe that that can happen. And we're praying together as churches, and we're asking churches to step up to that challenge. Now, let me tell you, um, there's a church in Clovis. I live in Fresno. There's a church in Clovis, and, and uh, Pastor Chris, you know, knows that pastor really well because they work together in, in San Diego area. Um, they're a church about your size. On, on Pentecost Sunday, last this year, they baptized almost 100 people. Now, why is baptism important? Because that's the first step that you take as a believer of Jesus to let everybody know what Jesus has done in your life, right? They baptized almost 100 people on that, on that Pentecost Sunday. You guys have a big baptism day, I think, next week. I heard you guys had 40-something last year. Folks, if you haven't been baptized, it's time for you to get baptized, okay? It's time for you to get baptized. And if you know somebody who hasn't been saved, 
It's time for them to get saved and then take them to go get baptized, okay? Tell them what it's all about and, and prepare them. We're here to make disciples, followers of Jesus. And, um, and so we're hoping to see those 15,000. It's going to happen by us doing the work. And folks, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. Because that's what we want to see because that's what God wants to see. That, that's the heart of the Lord is to see people come to know him and follow him and love him. And so today I want to talk to you about a guy that went from being a nothing, a zero, a, a, you know, a guy that, that nobody cared about, to a guy that became a hero, a hero, a, a difference maker for the kingdom. And so my prayer today is that uh, when, when you leave this place, that you're a guy that says, I want to be a hero for, for the Lord. And, and the reason why we need that and the reason why we, we, we need to be sharing Christ with others is because without Christ, there's a void in the heart of man. Without, without the Lord in the life of people, life doesn't have significance. There are people in the world all around us that though they might have jobs that pay them well, they are financially struggling. They, they, I mean, not, they're not financially struggling. They are spiritually struggling. They, they have voids in their hearts. There are people that, that are committing suicide day in, day out. Even, even, even people that know of God but that have not surrendered to the Lord. I mean, some people are struggling because of chemical imbalances. There, there's things that, have, that, ha, that are keeping them down. There's things that are controlling them that are taking them to the point where, where they're just not walking with, with God. And they need to know of the Lord. They need to know of the hope that Jesus can bring. And, and folks, it's our responsibility to let people know, to let them know that they are loved, that there is a creator, a maker that has made them and that loves them. Amen? There's a, there's a Netflix, uh, you guys don't watch Netflix, right? You guys are Christian here. No, I mean, anyway, my wife watched on Netflix uh, this series called uh, she watched it because I wouldn't watch it. This series called 13 Reasons Why. Any of you heard of that? 13 Reasons Why. I couldn't watch it because I couldn't get past the language. The lang it was just too, too vulgar for me. I just couldn't do it. But my wife put up with it because she, she, uh, she studies that kind of stuff. And, and, and she wanted to know what it was about. Because this is a, a message, a series that was being really fed to our young people. About this person that committed suicide. And she wrote 13, uh, uh, you know, 13 messages of, of why she, she did this. And, and, uh, and, and anyway, th there are people that are just hurting. You, you know anyone that's hurting like that? You know anyone that's just desperate? Th they're trying to fill the voids with things. They're trying to fill the voids with, with position, with power. But they're desperate. They're in need. They're in need of Jesus. And you might even know someone that's just at the point that they want to take their lives, but they need to know of the Lord. And my prayer is that through this message today that you would think of people like that and that, and that you would see that you have a role to play. And we'll see this, this man's life here in this passage in Mark chapter 5 this morning as we go through four different transitions in this passage we will see how this man who was a nobody, just God just, just transforms him and uses him. And we'll, we'll see four different things in this, in this passage that should speak to our hearts and should change our way of looking at things and at people. Mark chapter 5, we see 
the first five verses, and it says the following. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the, uh, the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with unclean spirits came out of the tomb and met him. He lived in the tomb. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but he, he had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And always, night and day, look at this man's desperation, always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. This man that was up in the mountains with an unclean spirit, this man that was, that was possessed, he was, he, he, he was being controlled by, by this, these spirits. And we know er, later on as we read that it's not just one spirit, but it's a legion of demons, thousands of, of, of demons that are in this man. They are tormenting him. He is under their influence. He is hurting. And, 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 and as you notice, he is at the tombs. I mean, nobody wants to go have a picnic at the tombs. Nobody wants to go take their family over there. He's in a place where nobody wants to be at. He's away from society. He's away from his family. You think of how many people find themselves in that kind of place in their lives. Maybe you don't have these in Tracy. In Fresno, we have a lot of them. They're called homeless. People that, that, you know, when you, you see them, you know, walk by your car, you, you put your window up really quick because you know they're going to ask you for money. So these people that, that you, you know, you, you rather them go someplace else. You don't want them living in your community. And that's what these people had done. They had pushed this, this, this man out, this man with unclean spirits, this man that was dangerous to himself and dangerous to others, this man that was desperate, this man that didn't have hope, this man was considered a zero among them. We have them all around us. And what we find with people like this is that it's easy to just let them be. As long as they're not in my area of comfort, as long as they, they're not going to bother me, just let them be. Or, but, but you'd rather have them far from you. This man, he, he had absolutely no control over what was happening in his life. And can I tell you that people that don't have Jesus in their hearts, they have no control over what happens in their lives until they come to know Jesus and the truth of the gospel and the Holy Spirit does the work in them that they may respond to Christ and love him and change. That's where this man found himself. And I love what we find in this passage. We find a wonderful Lord. We find the Lord Jesus that, that as he was walking and he was among the people, it says that when he saw in verse 6, we see this transition of this passage from a desperate man who was a zero, who was a nobody. It says, when this man, verse 6, 
when, 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 he saw G- when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he knelt before him. This man came and knelt before Jesus, and he cried out with a loud voice. Now, this is not the man crying. This is the demons inside of him crying. He says, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? Jesus, a son of the most high God, I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told them, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He says, what is your name? And he asked them, and he asked them my name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send him out into the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herds, about, about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. We, we see in this second part of this, of this pas- passage the compassion of Jesus. Jesus could have just let this man be. Jesus could have just said, you know what, let this man continue to live his life and just gone on and done his business. But his business is demonstrating compassion to those that are bound, to those that need help, to those that have been outcast. We see his compassion as he, as he, as he speaks to this demon that has possessed this man and he frees this man. I love that song that we just finished reading, right? It, 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 we said free indeed by, by the Lord. That's what, what, that's what he did. He freed this man. He, 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 he set him free indeed. We see the compassion of Christ over and over again. The Gospel of Luke tells us that the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, has, has come to seek and to save the lost. That's the compassion of Christ. Versus most people today that just say, hey, I want to do my own thing. Indifference. Not Jesus. Jesus, even though Peter denied him three times, Jesus comes back to Peter after and asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And then he says, you know, just, just continue doing my work. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Peter, come on, let's go. See, that's the kind of compassion that Jesus has. He's patient with people. The compassion that Jesus has is the kind of compassion we see when he's talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that he had no business talking to except for the fact that Jesus can do whatever he wants. And he talks to this woman and he says, you don't have one husband, you have multiple husbands. And he transforms her life. He has compassion for her. The Jesus that we see in Scripture is the Jesus that that had compassion for a man named Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, who had people killed before him under his authority, under his watch, and arrested those that were a part of the church. And he changes his name from Saul to Paul, and this guy becomes one of the greatest followers of Jesus that we see in Scripture, and one of those that has written so many of the books of our New Testament through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of compassion that we see in Christ. He doesn't just push people out and get rid of them. He values them and he calls them to himself that they may be used for him. 
Uh, I like the gospel uh, of Matthew in, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It tells us that Jesus went. Where did he go? He went to all the towns, to the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. That tells me he, he demonstrated a, a lot of compassion. He didn't just wait around at home. He didn't just sit around with his twelve disciples, with the twelve disciples. He went out. He went out, and it tells us in verse thirty-six that when he saw the crowd, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, we have to learn from Christ's compassion. You know, we're called. The Great Commission, right, says, go. And, and, and the right way of saying that is, as you go. We're expected to go. Go and make disciples, followers of Jesus, to all the nations, to all the, ethnic, all the ethnicities. Go as you go. See, because as we go, our, our hearts are stirred. Our, our hearts are changed when you go out to, to a nursing home to take care of, of somebody who, who needs help, who needs hope. When you go out to the streets and you help a, a homeless and you see them living underneath the, the highways or, or, under, or, under, or behind a, a trash bin, you, your heart gets stirred with compassion and, and, you, and you want to, to reach out and help. If you have the Spirit of God inside you and His Word is stirring you, this is something that's going to happen automatically in us. We will demonstrate Christ's compassion to others. If you go to the migrant centers and you see the kids that are with the shoes that are, that are ripped up and, and, and their parents are working in the fields and, and, and they don't have anything else, your heart will be stirred up when you go to paradise and see someone's house burned down and they ask you to go, to go find a, a ring in, in between the ashes and, and they're 90 years old. And folks, your, your heart will be stirred up, right, brother? We're called to go and to model the compassion of Jesus. The problem is, is that there's blindness, and we see blindness in the men of the story that, 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 we, that comes here in verses 14 through 17. It says that the men who tended the, them, the, the sheep, ran off and reported it to the town and the countryside. And the people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man had been demon that had been demon-possessed by the legion, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. So they come and they, they've heard what happened. They, they come, they get the story told again. The guy's sitting there looking like he's coming to church. He's all dressed up next to Jesus, no longer naked, no longer, no longer cutting himself. The guy is just transformed. He's a different being. And, and, and all they care about is their pigs. Our pigs. And I get it. Those pigs was their livelihood. Those pigs is what allowed them to be able to take the nice vacations that they took. Those pigs were, were the way that, that they had security for themselves. 
but they missed out on the blessing. Actually, they were scared of the blessing of this one man who had been totally a wreck, that had now been healed, because they did not value him at all. Again, this guy was an outcast, was a zero to them. But now Jesus had, had done the miracle in him, and they saw this. And in verse 17, they were so mad about it that they told Jesus. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. And I'm sure it wasn't like, please leave. No, it was like, will you get out of here now, Jesus? And I get that they would do this because, you see, these, these people that own the pigs, it doesn't tell us on here, but we, we, we must make this assumption, understanding the culture of the day. These, these pig owners were Gentiles. That means they were not Jewish believers. They, they did not understand maybe of the coming of the Messiah one day. They, 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 they would, a Jew would not own pigs. They didn't understand. They were, they were blind to who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing. But can I tell you that today, the sad thing is that many times people that come to church, not in Tracy, okay, I'm talking other, other cities. They act like these pig owners when it comes to valuing people and understanding the great things God wants to do in the lives of people? You hear, you hear what I'm saying? I might not be invited back. That's okay. I just want you to get this part of the message. See, these Gentiles didn't know any better. They didn't have the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that part. Matter of fact, they didn't have the part of love the Lord your God. That wasn't part of their belief system, not of the Gentiles. They didn't understand love your neighbor. They didn't understand that. That's why they acted the way they did. It makes sense. But unfortunately, the church that does have that great commission, the church that does have the, the, the first commandment and the second greatest commandment, a lot of times just ignores the need of those that are desperate and doesn't demonstrate the compassion that needs to be demonstrated. And a lot of times, instead of, they don't necessarily tell Jesus, Jesus, get out. They just get their lives, their lives are so busy. Uh, we just, we're all about work and, and making money and, and washing the clothes and cleaning the house. And please keep your house clean. That's not an excuse not to clean the house. But it's all about the house, and it's all about the car, and it's all about the next vacation that we forget about the, the need that there is for people to be restored with Christ. You know what I'm saying? And we don't own pigs. Maybe some of you do out here. I don't know. I see a lot of cows. But maybe there are some pigs in your life. We can call them idols. 
things that you put before God, before doing the things that God wants you to do, things that are keeping you and holding you from the blessing that God wants to bring into your life of being able to be a, a person that celebrates those things that God wants to do, of, of being the person that can share the gospel with somebody that they can be rescued and saved and bring hope to a person who's desperate. And, and, and when there's opportunities to do stuff, you're like, oh, let, let this Pastor Mike and let somebody else go do that, you know. Uh, we're going to stay home tonight. We're just tired. We party too much this, this, this weekend. Let somebody else do that. I worked hard. I need my rest. Maybe that's your pig. You're just being lazy. Because I tell you, it, it's worth investing your life into the kingdom. It's worth it. It's worth sacrificing that time that you say, this is my time. Folks, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus. He paid for your sins. You belong to him. You're not your own, you're his. To do the good work that he's created you for. What are the pigs in your life that are holding you back from going out and doing the things that God is calling you to do? Folks, I, I pray that as you leave this place today, and I'm, I'm almost done, that as you leave this place today, that you will leave this place having slayed some of the pigs in your life. Having cast down those idols that, that have kept you from doing those things that God wants you to do. Can you identify those, those pigs? Sometimes those pigs are our kids. We're all about our kids. And I think the kids are great. But folks, we have to do our work with our kids. Make sure they know the Lord. But then we have to make sure other people know the Lord as well. I was thinking about this just the, just the other day. Uh, I, some of the best thoughts come in, in the shower. Uh, and I was thinking in the shower, I was thinking, Lord, if we say we love you, and if we say that we love people that you love because we care about the things that you care about, why is it that in the church, a lot of times, the parents never share the gospel to their children? It has to be some, some teacher from the church that teaches our children. And, and if we care about those that you care about so much, Lord, then why is it that we send our kids to school five days a week for 12 years or so, and some of them are slower than others, and then we, we send them and they learn all these things, but we never teach them to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Is that not important? Do you hear what I'm saying? If it's really important, if it's, if it's what God wants us to do, then, then folks, let's, let's just get rid of those things that are keeping us from doing the things that God wants us to do, and let's make them a priority. What are the pigs? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it vacation? Is it just you, your selfishness? Will you just ask the Lord today, Lord, kill that pig in my life. Mobilize me, Lord, that I may be a, a, a hero for you. Because that's what this man becomes, is a hero. This, this man that was a nobody, he becomes a hero. Look at, look at what we see in, in, these, in these verses to follow in, in verse 18. He says, as he was getting into the boat, talking about Jesus, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him 
to be with him. I mean, isn't that great? Like, wouldn't you be that way too? I mean, Jesus just loved on you, freed you from all these demons, has rescued you, because that's what he does when he saves us, right? He has rescued us. What do we want to do? Man, we just want to be all about Jesus. We're in that first love. Man, Jesus, I love you. We want to come to church and we want to learn all the songs that we've never heard before that are just weird to us. And then we start learning them and singing them. And, you know, we sing them all over the place. And, and, and we start memorizing the, the word of God. And, and we just love, that's what this guy wanted to do. Just be in the worship service the whole time with Jesus. But we see in verse 19 uh, uh, the word but. But. He would not let him come into the boat with him. Instead, he told him, if you have your Bible, maybe you can read that with me. He says, go back home. You see that? Go back home to your own people. And report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Now, let me tell you, this is the first time anywhere in, any, in, in the Gospels that we find Jesus commissioning, sending out somebody to go tell them about what the Lord has done for them. This is one of the first commissionings that we see. And he does the same for us. And look at what he does. He's, he, this guy's good. It says, so he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. The Decapolis was the place where, where the people from the town would go, and anything that was important or significant, they would discuss in that place. This guy, his life was changed. He was freed, freed indeed, but freed not to do whatever he wanted and just to go back home and relax and enjoy life. But he was freed so that he would understand who Jesus was and he can share with others what Jesus has done in him. And people were blown away because of his bold testimony. And folks, again, this is what we need to be. We need to be bold witnesses of who Jesus is. We need to be willing to go to the places we don't want to go. And maybe even with the people we don't like. I'm a diehard Dodger fan. I know for some of you it's going to rub you wrong. Who cares? <laughs> you do, okay? Sorry. I'm a diehard Dodger fan. I was born in L.A. I love the Dodgers. But for the last five years, I've been a chaplain with the Giants organization. Because they're lost and they need Jesus. I go preach to them on Sundays. I share with them the gospel. I mean, I know a third of the major leaguers right now because I've served with the River Cats. By the way, they just won the AAA championship. Those are my boys. Because it's not about which team you're with. It's about the, the reality of where you're at spiritually. People need the Lord. We need to find ways to reach the people in our community. And you guys were talking about your one. Remember that? Who's your one? You remember that? Pastor talked about that a few, 
I hope you remember because, you know, we pastors, we prepare these sermons and we put a lot into them. If you, if you don't remember, Pastor Mike's going to be upset. But you remember your one? Have you shared Christ with your one? If not, maybe the pig has been holding you back. Maybe that idol has been holding you back. Maybe it's the idol of pride. Maybe it's the pig of pride. Maybe it's just you're scared. You have lack of faith. Folks, you need to become a hero, a champion for the gospel. You need to be a person like this, this man who was willing to go up in the public place and speak. I used to I used to work in the lab when I was when I was younger. There was a there was a supervisor that I had. Her name was Shirley. Shirley was like the ugliest, mean-looking little lady that I've ever met. You would want her to be your grandma. Thank God she didn't have any kids. Um, but when I used to work in that lab, I'm just being so mean. When I used to work in that lab, I used to tell everybody about Jesus. I mean, we would fight about the Big Bang, and I'd tell them, yeah, the, I believe in the Big Bang, God spoke, bam, it happened, right? I mean, that's the way Scripture says it. It's not like that one dumb show that people watch on TV, right? It's like, it's like you know, and I'd be there, like, telling them, yeah, you know, you know God created this, and, you know, and I'm explaining to them and, 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 and just defending my faith. And, and for years, Shirley would just get in my face, and I remember her putting me up against the wall, little, little old ugly lady, if you keep talking about Jesus, I'm going to fire you. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. And I'd just keep talking about Jesus. Matter of fact, not too long after that, I ended up finding another job. And, and then I'd go talk to those people there at work in, in another lab. And, and I'd be telling them about Jesus and defending my faith. And, and man, I would get so frustrated. I remember going into into the restroom after talking to them and just crying and Lord, Lord, make them understand that Lord, I've, I've done everything. I've told them everything that I can so that they would lo love you and know you. Folks, that's the kind of champions we need to be for the gospel. And you say, well, I don't have all that, all that knowledge. Well, get some of it. It's in here. You guys are going to have a class like 102, right? Spiritual gifts or something? 201, you know, <laughs> dyslexic. I'm glad you know. We all have the calling of sharing and proclaiming like he did the good news of Jesus, especially to our one and to everyone else that God puts in our minds and in our hearts that we need to go tell them about Jesus with the compassion that Jesus has so that that void of that person who feels like they're a nobody, but they're somebody to God. They're the person that God wants them to be, not just his creation, but his child. They're the person that God wants to call them. You are my redeemed. You are my saint. You are my holy nation. You are my people. But it takes us going boldly and sharing the hope that we have. So as you leave today, I want to challenge you to do two things. And as the worship team comes up, and I'm, and I'm going to pray for you, but I want to challenge you to do these two things. First of all, before you leave here today, I want you to identify the pigs in your life. 
and to lay them before the Lord and just say, Lord, kill this pig in my life. Take it away. Take the, take the, the love for it away from my heart. Lord, that I might love you more than I love my pig. And then the other thing I want you to pray for is I want you to pray for that person or those people that God has placed in your heart, that has placed in your surrounding. It might be that coworker that you don't like or that annoying cousin that you have that gives you a hard time about your faith. But God has put them in your heart and in your mind that you would boldly speak to them about the love of Jesus. Do you, can you identify those two things today? 